Hello, listeners. It's Dr. Shantae, and I had to do a special introduction for this episode, which is going to be delivered in two parts over the next couple of weeks. But I did want to take a special moment to introduce my guest today before we get into the episode. One of them is a dear friend of mine, Lawrence Gilliard Jr. He is an actor who has appeared in films from straight out of Brooklyn, uh, played D'Angelo Barksdale on The Wire. So if you are familiar with The Wire, and so many people are, um, because there's not a time that we walk down the street and somebody's like, hey, man. <laughs> and he also played Bob Stuckey in The Walking Dead. He's currently playing Dean on Power, book three, Raising Canaan. And he's a, he's a dear friend of mine. Like outside of the acting, I know him through the dance world. He and I have danced together in the salsa world. I call him the lemon pepper stepper. Um, he truly is my brother from another mother and we are such good friends. And when I told him that I wanted to do this episode, I was like, listen, I need you to do some outreach. I need you to bring some voices to this conversation that are really going to elevate the dialogue to a place that would be uh, rich and rewarding for healing and for our listenership and all of that. And he delivered in spades. He brought me two heralds. So one of the heralds, you know, very well, Harold Perrineau is the actor who is best known for his role as Julian in the best man. He played Michael in the ABC series lost. Uh, he played Augustus in the HBO series Oz. He's currently playing Sheriff Boyd Stevens in the epics television series called from He's been in The Matrix, The Matrix Reloaded. Uh, he played Mercutio in Romeo and Juliet. He is just a phenomenal actor. And he and Lawrence are very good friends. They even uh, co-starred together in a production of Top Dog, Underdog. And then there's Harold Burrell, who comes to us from the business world and is also a friend of Lawrence's. And he is the shareholder and senior vice president of Lighthouse and Alera Group Company. With over 30 years experience in the insurance industry, he has attained a professional designation of CIC, which is Certified Insurance Counselor, back in 2003. And he served on the board of directors from 2001 to 2018. But most of all, he is a man who understands what it is to engage and grapple with mental health issues. And you're going to hear him unpack pieces of his story. And so I brought these three men together and I believe in Trinities. I believe that so many good things can happen in threes and you won't be disappointed. So I'm going to be sharing part one of our conversation and I hope that you enjoy it. Hello and welcome to another episode of Whole and Complete Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Shantae and Whole and Complete is all about faith and wellness and y'all, I really swung for the fences for this particular episode. You know, men and mental health is something that's near and dear to my heart because I often feel like women have so many opportunities and spaces and, and places to kind of process all of the things that we experience. And my experience has been that men do not often have those same spaces and they're not always readily available. And so I wanted to bring some men who were doing important work in the world, some that you might recognize and really lend their voices to this conversation. I am just privileged and honored to welcome Harold Burrell, Lawrence Gilliard Jr., and Harold Perrineau. You all heard about all that in the in the pre-show. But gentlemen, welcome to Whole and Complete Podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me and us, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Damien, thank you for having us. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm honored to be a part of this uh, important conversation. 
Thank yeah. you. So let's start with that place. I always I want to go to the playground example that I always tend to use. And the playground example is this. Sally's second grader is out at recess. She's running around, skipping rope, and she trips and she skins her knee. And when that happens, here comes the community. Here comes the teachers like, oh my gosh, honey, let me see, you know, how bad is it? Oh, don't cry. I'll wipe your tears, you know, and she gets carried off in this, this, these nurturing arms of comfort and to, to address, you know, her boo-boos and her, her wounds. Sammy's second grader, on the other hand, you know, Sammy is out, he's running around, rough and tumble with the boys, and he falls and skins his knee. And the experience is very different for Sammy. For Sammy, it's like, oh, man, you good, you good, man, you good, come on now, you know, stand up, yeah. shake it off, Suck shake it, it off, man, you know. Suck like it up, man. Yeah. Suck it up. And so I think that from very early on, boys and subsequently men don't seem to have the, the, the space to be able to process things that 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 hurt them. And so when you kind of scale that up and you know into adulthood, how do you all think that that impacts men's mental health? So Harold, I'll start with you. Uh you know, it's it's really interesting that you bring this up because this is a, a conversation I have with my a therapist once. And so part of this, you know, conversation about mental health is also a component of uh a black men in particular having a, a place where they can talk to about very particular Black experiences. And so I remember once as a kid on the playground, another kid, oddly enough being Harold, used to sort of tease me and bully me a lot. And one day I was crying, I was all mad about it. And I went to my dad and said, Harold's bothering me. He said, boy, if you don't go and beat that boy's ass, I'm gonna beat yours. And so I had to go and fight Harold and, and win. Uh, in order for my dad to actually talk to me. Now, my therapist, who's Caucasian, is a nice man, thinks that that's the, that's the trauma of all traumas that, that's happened to me. You, you can't fix this thing with your dad in, in the whole world. And while I totally get his point of view, this is oddly a tradition that's been handed down, not just from my dad to me, but from his mom and his sister to his, from his dad. To, you know, it's one of those weird things that you live in a neighborhood where the kind of, of resilience you need, the kind of toughness you need to like get in those streets, because there are very there are lots of very dangerous places to be. You, you kind of need that. That being said, there is a space where you actually need to be able to say like, oh man, I am so scared and I need, need my dad to like hold me and like be okay. And so for me, there's there's a lot of it's it's there's this it's really confusing, you know, trying to be a man right now without being toxic but also being able to be self-soothing in moments where you feel really, really scared. Or you feel like, for instance, I take martial arts so that if anything comes up, I feel kind of self-soothed, like, okay, I can handle myself. Mm -hmm. But, you know, then I also have a therapist so I could talk some of these things through. So it's, I feel like it's a quite nuanced, I don't know if I answered your question, but <laughs> I feel like these issues are really quite nuanced and, 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 mm -hmm. and we really have to sort of figure out how to, how to be able to live with, uh, with a little bit of both and a little bit of like understanding and compassion and also the need to be able to protect yourself in a very sometimes dangerous world, especially at Black men. Yeah. Absolutely. Not only did you answer the question, you also opened up a can of worms, which is what a good conversation should do. So I'm, I'm going to let I'm going to let Lawrence and, and HB weigh in um, because I do want to go back to this piece 
about the things that get handed down, right? You know, some of these kind of maladaptive coping strategies. And it's like, this isn't something that just started with me. It's like, not only is there no space for you to to be afraid or to have a need for like comfort, it's like, no, you got to go back and you got to go confront that and you got to go and win the fight. And so mm-hmm. how that kind of like translates and trickles down when you get into adulthood. So Lawrence, take it away. So how do you think that not having those spaces as as young boys kind of like impacts men's mental health when they when they well, get I mean, you know, just piggybacking on what what Harold with what uh, Harold said, I I've been lately I've been just looking at uh, studying societies and society and the societal impact on relationships on children on you know and like you're saying you know it goes back to being a kid and you wonder why and a lot of things I've been thinking back I'm like okay how did certain societies develop. What did they develop? How did these rules come into play and all these labels and all this? I'm like, all right. So, you know, you go back, 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 way back. And you've got the men, they're hunting. They're doing what they have to do. You know what I mean? They're faster. They're, you know, that's why they're hunting. They got to go do that kind of thing. You don't have time to fall down and skin your knee and cry because then you get eaten. You know what I mean? Then you can't. Right. It's survival. Then you can't protect your village if you get if you stop and fall down and cry about it. Right. And so I think if you go back, 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 it it developed in there. Now, of course, times have changed. We're not hunting, you know, in the in the forest. We're not running from, you know, wild animals. Right. Right. But the but the but the issue is that, you know, of course, times have changed, we have changed, things have evolved, but there's certain certain things haven't. Like you don't you don't you don't cry. You go work it out on your own. Certain things like that, they have stuck with us. And now it's time for them to change. Now it's time to for young people to be taught, young men to be taught and given that space to release and to cry. It's okay. If you stop, if you skin your knee, you can stop. And guess what? You won't get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger. You'll get comfort. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, yes. Yeah. So... <laughs> So, so yeah, I've been thinking about that kind of stuff a lot. So that's where I think, and taking it into adulthood, like I said, you know, when you take that stuff, like Harold was just saying, you take that stuff into adulthood, we we just bring it from our youth. We bring it from our youth into our adulthood and it screws up a lot, a lot because, I mean, I don't want to get into another piece that I think you're going to bring up about relationships and how. Oh, we'll um, get there. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't, I don't want to get into that yet, but. (laughs) Okay. Let's put a pin there. Because HB, so listeners, I have two heralds. What are the odds of having yeah. two heralds <laughs> on the same podcast? But that's what yeah. we got today. So Harold Perino is going to be Harold, and then Harold Burrell is going to be HB. So HB, same question. When young boys don't have those spaces, how do you think it impacts them in adulthood? So first, I want to go back and commend Harold uh, for talking about having a therapist. We We've been taught that that is not a sign of strength. It's a sign of weakness. It's a sign of being vulnerable. It's a sign of something being wrong. And I have a therapist uh, to deal with, uh, to help me deal with the complexities of my business, family, and other parts of my life. So I want to commend uh, Harold for it, it, stating that aloud, that he's uh, getting professional help to help with issues that require professional uh, listening and solutions. So I, I, kudos to you on that, my brother. With regard to to, to LG, 
Uh, yeah, Lawrence. I'm sorry, LG. I know I'm as LG. Everybody goes by initials. It's HP, LG, I'll just be Dr. Shante. I don't. I don't have no no special. Go ahead. The doc is in the house. We've been taught from you know cultural conditioning. Joe Madison. I'm a big fan of Joe Madison on XM Radio, The Black Eagle. And cultural conditioning impacts us in ways sometimes that we don't even understand. And one of those is we've been taught from youth that the the male, the boy being a male, you don't show weakness. You don't cry when you have scraped your knee. When someone does uh, punch you, you try to knock the hell out of them and put an end to it. Uh, and, and, and you don't go crying to your buddies. The biggest challenge I have is that we've been conditioned to think that kindness is weakness. Mm. Being nice is, is weak. And quite frankly, it's the exact opposite. It takes a ton of, it takes a lot of character. It takes a lot of strength to be nice, to do what Martin Luther King said, turn the other cheek and and be strong enough to recognize that this other person may not understand when you're in a tight situation, that there's more to lose here than just your perceived reputation uh, in a fight or when you've injured yourself that part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no question. So, you know, the, the golden rule applies in almost, there's nothing new under the sun. The golden rule applies in every situation. Treat people as you would like to be treated or better. So that when you see Johnny fall or, or Lisa falling and injured, you offer a lending hand. And if they are in pain, you offer consolation. If you see someone in a, in a fight uh, of some nature, what role can you play to try to defuse the situation? Again, we've been taught that the man, I'm going to take, I'm going to kick ass and take names. When in reality, we should try to offer that kindness and that support because, again, being kind, it takes strength to be kind. It's weakness to be a bully. I hope that answers the question. It, it really does. And a couple of things I want to pull out of here, listeners, before we carry this forward. One of the, the kind of like hidden nuggets in that piece of, I just got into a fight or somebody is picking on me or I'm being feeling threatened in some way or what have you. And the response is you better go back and like you said, kick ass and take names. Mm -hmm. What has happened there is something very subtle and insidious, but also very important and very telling that happens, shows up in adulthood translation. That person just showed me that they're not emotionally available to me. They're not emotionally available to me. So a little bit about my background and my listeners know this already. My childhood was kind of characterized by a lot of violence and chaos. And my mother was in a domestic situation. And when those episodes would happen in the house, what I was expecting as a little kid was her to come to me and say, I'm really sorry this is happening. I know this is not what you signed up for. And I hope that we can get out of this situation. Some sort of soothing, nurturing, whatever the case may be. But those conversations didn't happen because she was too kind of caught up in her own shame that these things were going on in the house. And so Mm -hmm. what that told me was, oh, I'm on my own, Mm -hmm. that I got to figure this out on my own. And I think that that young boys also kind of sometimes get that same message like, look, kid, you are you're on your own. You got to figure it out because there's not an emotionally available outlet for you to be soothed, to be nurtured, to be to be comforted. And I love all the points that you all brought up how nowadays, no, it's not the saber tooth tiger, but yeah, it's like, in order for me to be like in a close knit, like tight relationship, I'm going to have to be vulnerable. And that might feel like a saber tooth tiger, like, woo, is it really safe to to come out and and put my heart on the line? (laughs) 
you know, yeah. and you go into this fight or flight type of situation. And then the therapist piece. And so you know, both Harold, since you mentioned it, since you put it out there, you know, it's fair game now. Um, how did... <laughs> So Harold uh, P, I'm going to start with you. How did you get to a place where you were like, yeah, I, I need somebody. I, I need a third party. I need a therapist. I need to talk to somebody other than friends and family. Mm, that's a, that's a, it's a really big story. And so I've been, uh, I've been uh, going to therapists back and forth for years. But the original time that I went to therapists, and I hate to, uh, to have to bring this up, is I was in a really toxic relationship. And I thought, like you came from a really interesting background that was really filled with violence and so did I. And so, mm -hmm. but I had learned this thing where like, I don't have to be violent to the woman I'm with. I can go take care of the violence on my own. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I learned this thing where I would walk away. I could walk out of here and I wouldn't, except I got into a relationship with a woman who I walked away from and she thought like, Oh, you don't care. And so then it led to this really, really toxic relationship. And at some point I had to go talk to somebody because I didn't know anymore which way was up i just didn't even understand it um and it uh it led to like lots of different like kind of lashing outs and doing all those things and i had to find somebody to kind of help me sort of navigate my way through it which was the end of that relationship of course <laughs> but <laughs> but i started to gain some tools about communication and, and and about addressing feelings that i was having and about this thing that i thought i learned that was good but maybe doesn't feel available to a partner and the kind of vulnerability, like HB was saying, that you need in order to be able to be in a relationship. Because like you said, it, there's no saber-toothed tiger. But when you start dealing with those really, really intimate pieces of who you are, and somebody says something about it, yeah, it feels like they just ate your, like, your little emotions, <laughs> yeah, right? right? And you're yeah. just like, and then you're like, oh, no, no, no. And then, yeah, it's, and then we're off to the races, right? right. Or, 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 or you collapse. Uh, and so, so that's how I started. And then, and I, and throughout the years, I've, I've needed to go back and forth for, you know, various different reasons. And, and they're really helpful. And right lately, I've been finding that I had once a, a therapist who was an African-American woman, and it was really, really helpful in, in a way that that's really been different <laughs> when, when it's not, someone <clears throat> not that you have to do that. No, no, get, I, whatever I help you. you get, but you know, in, in these times lately, it, it gets even more interesting you know, you can kind of have more of a shorthand uh -huh. to, to, to certain things, to certain uh, things. Thank you for that. And I just applaud you for having that recognition that, okay, this isn't working and I, I don't have the answers. Uh -huh. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to try this, you know, at least the willingness to try this. And, you know, uh -huh. I'm glad that you got tools and perspective out of that. HB, yeah. how oh, about it was you? not working. It was not working. It was not working. <laughs> it, was, it was not working. It's like um, it's something has to give. Something has to give. HB, how about you? How did you come to a place where you're like, you know, I could benefit from some third party support here? Wow. Essentially, I'm in the sales world and that world is is high pressure. And uh, a lot of the peer groups uh, and uh, my professional uh, surroundings, a lot of those folks uh, talked about how therapy has helped them deal with the pressure of sales. How do you deal with not being able to talk about that with people outside of what you do? Mm -hmm. And uh, even going back to my childhood, growing up in a rural community in Ohio, I just said a mouthful there, a rural community in Ohio, middle class, black <laughs> family, a rural community in Ohio, uh, where there might have been three of us in the entire school district. Mm -hmm. 
first grade until ninth grade in the 70s. Uh. So the uh, the nonsense that I had to deal with uh, from particularly older white boys, I had a lot of anger. And my fist used to solve a lot of those problems. But I remember some of my my teachers would be compassionate, talking about you've got to find a way to channel that anger and uh, manage that anger. And so you tie that growing up and then getting into a high pressure uh, career of sales, I knew that I had to have some support. So I've been uh, doing that for, for several years. That is how I reached out and, and, and got a qualified therapist, basically driven from the pressure field environment of being in sales. So listeners, a couple of things that I want you to, to kind of take away from this is that I think that we all kind of have either a working notion or kind of like a working model, even if it's not in our lives of what a healthy existence is supposed to look like or what it's supposed to feel like. And when those components are not there, because we spend a lot of time at work, we spend a lot of time in relationships. And so when it doesn't feel healthy and you feel anxious and you feel angry and you're like, I don't like this. This isn't this. Something's got to give. I don't, this not right. And recognizing the value and, and seeking third party support, I think is, is going to be really helpful to people that, that listen to this show and say, you know what, um, maybe I need to do my own self-examination and assessment of what's not working, which actually brings me to uh, something else I want to bring up. Can I, can I, can, just real quick, I wanted to, real quick, before you bring that up, Go right I wanted on to in. say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, real quick before you oh, bring please. it up, because Harold and Harold, <laughs> they both, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, I suffered trauma too when I was young and growing up, but I just want to say that my, my stress, I had literally gotten to a point where, where it physically started to affect me. Mm. And that's why I had to go and see a therapist because I physically almost my heart. I was young. I was a young, I was maybe in my thirties at that point. So still a young cat, healthy. And I almost passed out. Like I, my heart seized up and I almost faint. I was under so much pressure and stress. Mm. <laughs> and it was my doctor that was like, you need go see somebody. And I went and saw this person and I talked to this person, which was only an hour, but I probably gave them half of my lifetime in that, in that 45 minute, whatever session, it was the best thing ever. It was mm. the best thing. I walked out of there and I literally, I called every member of my family. It was like, y'all, everybody needs to do this. Like, everybody like going stat. to therapy. <laughs> everybody needs to, everybody needs to do this stat, like do it now. <laughs> like, it's, like burden, right? it's like a burden is lifted off your back. You're able to yes. shift with yes. a, with a objective third party that's not going to judge Yes. or, or, or talk. Uh, they're going to listen and, yes. and provide you with some valuable objective, you know, outcome based advice. Yeah. Because that tension, stress, all it will like I like I'm literally saying it affected me physically. It will kill you. Like it, it will. will kill you if you don't release it. It will kill you. <laughs> Sorry. No stress kills. Yeah. Mortal destruction. It'll destroy your relationships. Right. Right. That too. Uh, not having an outlet for that stress in a positive and uh, nurturing, kind, supportive environment, but an environment that's going to hold you accountable. Right for your behavior. Right. Uh, that will be destructive in ways you cannot imagine. Right. Family, your your own your 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 personal health, uh, and then your relationships in the community and your professional life. Yeah. So there has to be an outlet for that. 
options. You also get options. <laughs> like if yeah. you scrape your knee on the ground, you get some options. You can right. cry, <laughs> right? You can cry, or, or you can stand right. up. But this right. is an option. You get to right. You have some. You get to have some ownership about you know what it is. But you get options, and so it's it's really helpful. <laughs> oh, this is so rich, y'all. Do y'all hear these key words? <laughs> options ownership <laughs> accountability <laughs> and here's the thing you know i want to go back to the, this perception especially in black communities because well, i was raised in the church and you took your problems to the lord to, and and i'm not and i'm not knocking that I, I think prayer is a powerful tool and i believe in it how and so ever in the real life day-to-day additional options do not make you less of a man just like they don't make you less of a believer like the, it, it doesn't make you less and I love that in all three of your uh, testimonials about seeking help and therapy is the fact that you took ownership of the process, which is really empowering. There's this kind of disempowering negative, I mean, narrative that if you go seek help, then that makes you weak. And it's like, no, I'm doing something about this. Like I'm taking the reins yeah. and I'm choosing to go into a direction because this is beyond my capacity. It's beyond my scope. And listeners, this is really isn't this isn't about being smart or, or educated or learned or faithful or whatever. Everybody, every single human being has blind spots. We all do things that just are beyond the scope of our either acknowledgement or presence or understanding things that somebody, an objective third party who's not going to judge can look at quite readily and be like, so have you thought about a, B, C, and D. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. have you been able to make a connection between dot, 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 dot. And <laughs> it, the, the way that the light bulb comes on in these sessions, you like, mm -hmm. wait a minute. Yeah. And so fellas, you know, that are listening to the show and, and quite a few of you do go into a therapist. What, what I heard them say was that that was them taking ownership and HB, you said a keyword here, a willingness to be accountable a willingness to be accountable because when you're willing to be accountable to people in your community, when you're willing to be accountable to people in your uh, family and in the workplace, the willingness to do that can engender so much good, good faith and support in places where you didn't even know that it existed because that means that you care about the relationship and you, and you care about where it's going. Now, having said that, I don't want to, I don't want to name drop God rest his soul. But I just remember when the brother Kevin Samuels passed away and he and he left. Kevin was a, a polarizing figure because he had some very strong views about manhood and women and roles and a, a lot of that. And a lot of issues. And I'm being really diplomatic. And <laughs> um and some some people would, would say that his brand of masculinity was toxic. And the reason why they would say that is because there is a, a brand of, of masculinity that Lawrence, getting back to your point about societies is about conquest and uh -huh. conquistadors. Like the uh -huh. more money you have, the more women you can, you know, uh -huh. attract to uh -huh. you, the more cars and status you are, a, you're a man, you're you man. know, that, that <laughs> makes you a man. And so that narrative and that trope is absolutely out there, right? And then yeah. there's this kind of nuanced trope that like, no, the man is the one who shows up and takes accountability and responsibility and, and those types of things. So where do you gentlemen draw the line between 
masculinity and toxicity. So when you hear the phrase, you know, you need to man up, what does that say to you? And that is where we will leave it for this episode. So you will hear the exciting conclusion of this conversation next week. But I hope that you got tremendous value out of this conversation. And I think it dovetails really nicely with part one of this series, especially the emphasis on pieces of accountability. So we will get into the rest of this and unpack uh, the differences between masculinity and toxicity in our next episode. If you have any questions, comments, takeaways, or you want to show some love to these actors and to Harold, uh, I will leave their social media in the show notes and I'll see you next time.